Okay, real quickly, I want to mention a couple of things before I get into the message this morning. For those of you who are new, my name is Mac Richard, and I'm the pastor here, and we're honored by your presence, and thank you for being a part of this. we got a couple of things coming up that we are very, very excited about. We're in the middle of a sermon series right now called Shake It Up. You see it on your program that you got when you came in. But two weeks from today, two weeks from today on September the 7th, the Texas Longhorns will be 2-0 and we will be beginning, I I didn't say anything funny, we will be beginning a brand new series of messages that we are so excited about. As a matter of fact, This series is something we have never, we're kind of going in a direction we've never gone before as a church family, and it's done so in a way to communicate exactly what it looks like to live in a relationship with God and and to share that with as many people as we possibly can because living life with God is a good thing. And so the title of this series that we're starting on September the 7th is called Life on Tap. It's life on tap. And I'm beginning right now. I want to ask you to start inviting your friends to be a part of that. As a matter of fact, if you're sitting on the end of your rows, there's a little brown bag on the corner of your rows there. Little brown bag that has some invitation pieces. Now, sometimes we do business card size things. This time we thought since we're doing life on tap, we're going to hand out coasters (laughs) and invite people to come to church. Invite people to church with a coaster that says, Life on Tap, beginning September the 7th. I want everybody in the room, please take about three of these coasters to hand them out to your friends this week. Somebody you work with, maybe somebody you see at the gym who doesn't wipe down the bench after they get off of it. You know they need the Lord, so whatever it takes. You might also be in a restaurant. You might be in another establishment where they serve drinks or something. Ask them. If you can leave some of these on the table, don't do it, you know, as kind of a guerrilla warfare marketing thing, but ask them, is it okay if we leave some of these? Life on Tap beginning September the 7th. I'll tell you, this is really, really cool. Our, our, our graphic designer, a guy named Mike Wooder, did a phenomenal job on that. I think my favorite part is if you flip it over, it says, please enjoy church responsibly. <laughs> I think those are words to live by. So that's coming up on September the 7th, but that's our opportunity as a church, as a church family to invite and extend the love of God to as many people as we possibly can. Also, we are trying something that we have never done before, and it's months away, but the effort begins now. We want to host a South by Southwest interactive panel next March. And to do so, we have gotten the word out and have formed a a proposal so that we can be voted on and you can help us get voted on. People voting on the panels for South by Southwest Interactive in March is one of the primary ways that they determine what panels will be put on. And so in conjunction with Roy Spence and Jared Junkin of the University of Texas Longhorn Symphony, we're going to do a panel called Right-Brained Leadership starting at South by Southwest if we get enough people to vote for us. So what I need you to do is this afternoon, go to our Facebook page, go to our Twitter feed, LHCATX, and we will give you a link that will take you directly to the panel picker voting. If you've never been to South by Southwest, you can still vote. Is this a great country or what? 
And your votes will make a huge difference in whether or not we actually get to make a difference in the world outside the walls of the church. We are fired up about this thing. So tell all your friends you can vote. I believe once a day, as many times as you can, go in. You have to register real quickly on the South by Southwest panel picker page. Say that ten times fast. But then you get to vote and get to make a difference in the lives of people who so far have never darkened the doors of a church. And that's pretty cool. Tell your neighbor, that's pretty cool. Now, thank you very much. Team spirit rises and falls with team unity. I'm going to say that again. Team spirit rises and falls with team unity. Right now, with passion and enthusiasm, I want you to look at the person sitting to your side and tell them like you mean it, get you some team spirit. Now, I know that this is back to school blessing Sunday and and we've got a lot of different schools represented and here I am, I'm wearing a professional or semi-professional football team's jersey. But no, 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 listen, it's from the heart, man. The Dallas Cowboys, this is my team. I'm just telling you, this is my team. Long before, long before Troy and Emmett and Michael won Super Bowls, long before anything that is currently going on in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I have been a Cowboys fan since birth. I have been with them through thick and through thin. I wore this number 12, the number of Roger Staubach, God's favorite quarterback. See, from behind, you can barely tell that it's not him, but it's just me. But my dad raised me as a Cowboys fan, and we grew up in Houston in the peak of the Love You Blue years. Bum Phillips, Earl Campbell, Dan Pastorini, and all of those teams formed in the bowels of Hades. Those teams, I'm just kidding. But that's where I grew up. And even then, I was a Cowboys fan. Fan, I mean, I, this is my team, Jack. The first game I remember, the first game that I remember as a child was Dallas versus Minnesota. The Hail Mary pass from Roger Staubach to Drew Pearson. You remember if you saw it on TV, an orange peel got thrown onto the field and you're thinking, they threw a flag. No, God smiled. The Cowboys won and we go to the Super Bowl. Ha ha. Now we lost to Pittsburgh, but the point of the matter is, I have always been a Cowboys fan. And for somebody to stand up in 2014 and say they are a Cowboys fan, you know that is a fan. Nobody's jumping on the Cowboys bandwagon right now, baby. Nobody. There's all kinds of room. We're stretched out, spread out. We got room for extra Chick-fil-A cups and the cup holders. Everything is cool because for the last eight years, say that with me, eight years, That's a long time. Our team, America's team, is a perfect 500. We have lost exactly as many games as we have won. Now, some teams have ups and they have downs. They have ups and they have downs. My Cowboys are flatlined. But you know what? I have tried and tried and tried not to care. 
I've tried. I'll come home and Joseph goes, hey, Dad, the Cowboys are on. I I don't care. And I always kind of find myself gravitating back into the living room. I still care. They're still my team. I still want them to do well. I want somebody else to buy them. I want the Cowboys. That's not the sermon. That's not the sermon. That's not the sermon. Team spirit rises and falls with team unity. Everybody being on the same page. Everybody fired up. Everybody committed. Last week we began this series of messages. Shake it up by looking at a statement that Jesus made in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 5, he said something very, very common. But he said that this common element, this common compound would be highly uncommon. He he told everybody who would be his follower, everybody who would come after him and be his disciple, that they are the salt of the earth. Jesus said to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, when Jesus says this, He's communicating two critical components of the character of salt. First of all, in Jesus' day and age, salt was used as a preservative. It would allow meat to last longer. This was long before Frigidaire and Sub-Zero. They, they, they would have you know, meat, beef, or, or fish or something like that. And to make it last longer, since they couldn't refrigerate it, they would salt it. And, and the salt would act as a preservative. So... The first thing Jesus is saying is if you're the salt of the earth, you are here for preservation. You're here to to make a difference, to fight against the, the normal flow of things, to help the normal flow of things. Does that make sense? So there's this, this concept of preservation. The second thing that Jesus gets at is very, very important. Not only are we here for preservation, we're also here for flavoration. Preservation. And flavoration, we're here to flavorate the world. Now, some of you are thinking, that's not a word. You're new. We make up words around here all the time, but that communicates, doesn't it? A certain degree of flavorosity helps every single meal. And salt, let's be honest, is there anything that salt doesn't help the flavor of? I mean, I understand, you know, we may be on some Lipitor or whatever, but honestly, it helps. It just tastes better. I think Jesus was getting at something really profound that wherever his followers are to be found in the world, the world should be better for it. If you're in school, you're to add a certain godly, Christ-like flavor to your school. We have a celebrity here with us today. We have the mascot from Dripping Springs High School right down here in our tiger. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, know, I didn't know the tiger was coming today. And in our first service, I, I would say something, and I'd see the tiger doing like this. That's a big old head nodding in the service. And we're honored to have that big old head in the service. But what is so cool to me is to see students leading on their campuses as followers of Christ, making a difference as a mascot, making a difference 
on the chess club, making a difference on the football team, making a difference in their classrooms, salting the earth where they are. That's what Jesus was talking about. And today what I want to talk about is how team spirit plays into this idea of flavor and and preserving. Because the fact of the matter is, every single follower of Christ, everyone, gets to play on two teams your entire life. Two teams your entire life. You know, I, I went to elementary school and junior high, which is now called middle school. I, I went to a very, very small kind of private school. And in ninth grade, I made the jump to a, to a big public high school in Houston. And in, in my elementary school and middle school, man, everybody knew my parents. My parents knew their parents. Everybody knew everybody. I was on the basketball team. I played this. I did that. And all of a sudden, I got to a much bigger pool of athleticism in high school. And I'll never forget showing up for basketball tryouts my freshman year. And I looked across the gym, freshman in high school, six, seven, shaving, big old calves, jump out of the gym. And I just went, this was my competition. And I will never forget going through those three days of tryouts And then the next morning, this was long before the internet, this was before fax machines and carrier pigeons, they had to post the team on the wall outside the coach's office. How many of you have ever made that walk before? You you walk down that hallway and you kind of go past the cafeteria and the stale hash brown smell and you turn to go down the gym and all of a sudden you smell the, the, you know, the Bengay and the sweat all mixed together and you get to the coach's office and it has the teams posted right there. And you start looking down for your name. It's one of the most terrifying moments in anybody's life. And I will never forget going down that list in ninth grade and not seeing my name. And going, there's got to be a mistake. And sure enough, the coach had put my legal name. I go by Mac, but my real name was Thomas Richard and he had put Thomas on the line instead of Mac and I went back and I saw Richard I went that could be Richard and then I saw my name after I thought that's me I made the team (laughs) everybody who walks with Christ makes two teams everybody the first one is given to us very early on in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says this, verse 22. It says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23. I love this translation. This is great. At last, the man exclaimed. (laughs) See, Adam has been naming all the other animals in the garden. He's by himself. He's like, whoa, finally some help. And she's hot, too. That's the original translation. At last. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. The first team that was ever formed, this was an expansion team. Before any organization 
came to be, before God said, you know what, we need a government, we need a business, we need a school, we need a church, before any other team was formed, God supernaturally determined the need and the opportunity to form the team of a family. That's the team that we get to play on. Now, some of you right now, I know, I know, some of you are thinking, Mac, you did not ride to church with the people I rode to church with this morning. I don't know what it is. There's something about going to church that gets in the way for families. There's something that happens. There's like, I don't know, you know, there's kind of this spiritual struggle that goes on. And for some reason, sometimes, not always, but families freak out on the way to church. And they're driving to church and the kids are, and if I have to come back here, I will take you out. So help me sit down. And then we get to church. Hello. Hello, brother. Yes, sister. Yeah, a beautiful day in the Lord. Yes, this is the day that the Lord has made. Be quiet and sit there or I will so help me. Man, I know what that's like. You know what that was right there? That was the laugh of recognition. Just for the record, you know what I'm talking about. But the fact of the matter is the family team is a gift from God. It is a privilege. It is a blessing to be on that team. Now, I remember as a kid, I remember thinking as a kid, why would God, if he's supposed to be so loving, give me the parents he gave me? And sometimes that's kind of a funny thought. Sometimes it's not. Or I remember, I've got two little brothers. My brothers are twins. They're not little anymore. I'm 47. They're 45. But, you know, there's still always that big brother, little brother thing. And I remember vividly thinking, how could a loving God give me these two? Particularly one of them, but, but either one of them. And what I didn't understand at the time was that I was not a victim. I played a significant role as a child, as a student. I played a monster role in the dynamic of my family. So so students, I I want you to understand that and and realize that, that you've got a role to play. And so how you handle yourself, the degree of truth and honesty that you engage in and dispense, the amount of respect that you give to other people, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, and your household, plays a massive role in the overall health and welfare of your family team. And here's what what happens. When you accept that responsibility, and this is true not just for, for kids and the family, this is true for all of us. When we accept our responsibility for the role we play in any team, we begin to no longer play the role of a victim. We begin then to actually develop and grow hope. Because we've owned the responsibility and we're no longer concerned about what my mom is or isn't doing or what my brother is or isn't doing. Now, it's how can I help? How can I play a role that actually makes a positive difference around here? And then, great stuff starts to happen. So there's this this family team. Notice there, too, that God said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother. You see, I was born onto one team, but then when Julie and I got married, I got traded. I I moved to a different team. I I don't, this was a great team. I'm I'm still, you know, I'll always be there. That'd probably be the jersey that I'll always carry with me and I'll hang in the rafters. But 
as a husband, my wife and my kids, this is now my team. For Julie, she left mommy and daddy behind. She left her sisters and she's now on this team. This is the priority in our lives. Even within that team, we, we have a, a close-knit group of captains. You know who the captains are on our team? Julie and I, mom and dad, husband and wife. You're the captain. You determine heads or tails when we go out for the opening kickoff. That's your shot to call. There's this idea of a democracy as a family. <laughs> that is so cute. Dumb. It's not a democracy. Family is not a democracy. If it is, that's fine. We tell our kids, okay, we'll vote. You get one vote each. Mom and I get five each. Go. But as mom and dad, husband and wife, it's our responsibility to captain the team. Now, that's just one team. There's another team that every single follower of Christ gets to be a part of. Look at what God said in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. In chapter 1, the Bible says, God decided. I tell you what, take that down real quick. Just take it down. God decided. Tell your neighbor, God decided. That's a big deal. That is a huge deal. God decided. Do you ever do this with your family or with like a close friend? Where do you want to go for dinner? What's, what's the standard answer? Oh, I don't care. Just understand, that's a lie. Every time somebody tells you, I don't care, that's a lie. Julie, now after 23 years, Julie and I have kind of worked this out. She'll say, I don't really know, but just pick something I like. <laughs> but when God decides, that's a big deal. When God determines... This is how it will be. Ephesians chapter 1, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Is that incredible? That God decided to adopt me. He decided to adopt you into the family. He invites us to be his children, adopted into the family of Christ, family of faith through Christ. So that's the second team. It is that family of faith. God invites us into it. We, under his grace, respond to his grace initiative. And now we are part of the second team. The second team that we get to be a part of that is the body of Christ. It's the family of faith. It's the church. It's a gift to be a part of that family. And these are the families that God calls us to, that he has set up for our welfare and his purposes, to get done what he wants to get done in this world, but also to find significance, to find peace, to find meaning in this world life. And so when Jesus says, you're going to be the salt of the earth, the two primary vehicles that he chooses to use are these teams, the family and the church. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You will preserve and flavor the world until I choose to come back. 
And the primary vehicles through which he does that are families and the church. We get to be a part of that. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 13. Immediately before his crucifixion, he said, Now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus says, the way you function on your team will be a massive calling card. It will be really the first thing that people look at. You know, it's funny, when you talk to somebody who's not yet a Christ follower, most of the time, they're down with Jesus. Most of the time, they think Jesus is cool. Most of their objections have to do with Jesus' followers. Most of their objections, now sometimes they use it as a smokescreen, as an excuse, but it's still there. Jesus says, if you will love each other the way I loved you, then other people will want to be a part of this family. Here's what Jesus is saying. Potential players determine whether or not to play based on what they see in our teams. Potential players, prospects, determine whether or not they want to play on our team based on what they see in our teams. Think about the family for a second. Marriage. When people see Julie and me out at a restaurant or hanging out somewhere, they ought to look at us and go, man, those old married people are actually still like each other. That that looks like a pretty cool gig. We had a waitress stop us. No lie. This was years ago. We, We were eating at Chili's. And... The waitress, we'd kind of been through the meal and whatever, and, and the waitress came and she goes, can I ask y'all a question? We're like, sure. <clears throat> I said, you know, I'd like this brownie Sunday. She goes, no, it's not that one. She said, are y'all married? And we go, yeah, we are. She goes, we just had a bet back in the kitchen because y'all were laughing and talking to each other. The only people we see laughing and talking to each other are people who are dating. Married folks just sit here and stare at each other. I thought, man, what an incredible reminder of what marriage is supposed to be about anyway. Remember, marriage is cool as far as it goes between husband and wife. Awesome, yay, you know, go team. But ultimately, marriage is to be a banner advertisement for the way Christ loves his people and the way his people love him. That's the ultimate purpose of marriage is to reflect the glory of God. So what about on this team, the church? Based on what people see out of my life, do they want to be on the team? Do do they want to see the team and and go, man, that'd be fun to be a part of? You see, I think what it really comes down to when we talk about being a part of the team in a family or the church, in a family and the church, it comes down to priorities. It's about what really and truly matters in our lives. I can't think of a better time than the beginning of a new school year to to kind of get real about what are my priorities? What are our priorities as a family? What are our priorities as a church? And not just what we think they ought to be or what the right answer ought to be, but what are they really and truly? And so right now I want everybody to do me a favor. 
Because as soon as I said the word priority, some of you kind of tensed up. I saw it happen, man. I saw you like, ah, we, we've got so much going on. We are so busy. And you were just like clenched right now. Everybody sit up real straight and just take in a deep breath and hold it for just a second. Just kind of, now just let it out. If you've had coffee, let it out through your nose. But just, just let that air out. Because when I talk about priorities, first of all, you need to understand that Julie and I are right there shoulder to shoulder with you. This, this is a constant, constant challenge and opportunity in our household. But second of all, you need to know that I think God has this morning an incredible word of freedom and liberation for people and families, and a church. I think God does not want us to add more stuff to do to our to-do list. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you something that I think is so important that you ought to write it down. Do not try to do more. As you think about your priorities, do not try to do more. Do more of what matters most. Do more of what matters most. As a family, you've got such a small window of time. We have such a small window of time. So it's imperative that we do more of what matters most. Number one, team spirit, put on your Christian jersey. Put on your Christian jersey. Let, let people know what team you're on. Now, I'm, I'm wearing... A Roger Staubach replica. I, I have never, I never completed a full season in the NFL. That's not that funny. But I, I could buy the jersey. I, I, I could buy the jersey and, and, and put it on. I'm a fan. Woo! Let's go nine and six. Progress. But as a follower of Christ, there are a couple of ways you put on the jersey. Number one, be baptized. When a person has come to faith in Christ, they signify that faith. They put on the jersey by baptism. Now, as soon as I say the word baptism, as many people as there are in the room, there are about that many perspectives on what baptism is really all about. But baptism, biblically, is just a statement of faith. It's an external symbol of an internal commitment that's already been made. Now, if you were baptized as a child, as an infant, that's cool. That was your parents' decision to say, this kid matters, we're going to try to raise him right, God help us, here we go. That's great. But biblically, baptism is your jersey as a follower of Christ. Baptism is where you say, this is the team I'm on. And you are dunked under the water, you come up out of the water, and you're part of the team repeatedly throughout the Bible. In the book of Acts alone, there are over 14 instances of people believing and being baptized. They believed and were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. He believed and was baptized. It's an opportunity to put on that jersey. The second thing that you do to put on your jersey as a team member is you be a church member. Join a church. Be a church member. Say member. 
member is a big word. Now, we, it, it, it's kind of common to us. When we think about membership, we think about being on the roll somewhere, maybe joining Gold's Gym or CrossFit. You know, but to be a member of the church is a biblical mandate. You're a member of the body of Christ. You're a member of a local church, a particular team. So not, not just capital C, church at large. Oh, I'm a member of the church. No, a local particular church. It's like, it's like my arm is a member of my body. It's out here, and, and I, I use it. I throw with my left arm, Kenny Stabler. But if I broke out my lightsaber and lopped off my arm, just, just poop, and it was just kind of there flopping on the ground, you'd be like, dude, you ought to put that back on. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's massive. You need that thing. So put it back on because the arm needs the body. The body, by the way, needs the arm. Both need each other. This is why God inspired the Apostle Paul to use the imagery of a member of the body of Christ. It is mandatory to grow spiritually, to be a part of a local church. It's mandatory. It is, and I don't mean like it's part of the rules. I mean like it has to happen. Our faith is individual, but it's never to be private. It's to, be, it's to happen in part of a team. So be a team member. Now, everybody, I want to ask you to do something. Take out the program that you got when you came in. Looks like this. Says shake it up on it. See? It's always fascinating to me to see who doesn't take out the program. It's like, I'm not doing it. It's just interesting. I just think it's funny. But if you look inside, is the Connect card. Connect card. About two-thirds of the way down, it says, I'd like to speak with someone about baptism and or membership. If you have not been baptized after you committed your life to Christ, or if you're not a part of a local church, a member of a particular body of Christ, I want to invite you to fill that out. Just fill it out and ask some questions. Do the legwork. It's not hard. It's not complicated. And then just tear it off at the perforation. And when our service ends in about two hours, you'll turn that into somebody. <laughs> Never gets old, does it? I've tried. But to be baptized and to be a member of the church means that you have on the jersey. You're a part of the team. People know, you know, that you're a part of the team. Second thing, in terms of pri priorities, be the teammate you want to have. Be the teammate you want to have. People say, I want to be a part of a great church. Great, then be a great part of a church. Be a, a contributing member of the church. What if Roger Staubach had graduated from the Naval Academy, won the Heisman Trophy, served his country in Vietnam, and then come back to the States and said, I hope the Dallas Cowboys do well. Go! I'm watching. Man, come on, Tom Landry. Get the ball to Calvin Hill. Come on. Drew Pearson, he's one of the greatest wide receivers ever. Somebody get in the ball. I want the Cowboys to do well. But he never 
played a game. Guess what? Roger would not have one of those shiny yellow jackets from the NFL Hall of Fame, baby. The reason he did was because he was a teammate. He contributed. He sacrificed. He worked. He gave himself to other people for the good of the team. If you want to be a part of something great, be a great part of something great. Again, think about the family team. Think about moms. Whoo, man, alive. I, I hope, moms, you understand the vast, say vast. vast. You got to open your eyes really wide too. Vast. Vast power that you have at your disposal. Vast. Vast. Vast power to set a tone and a pace in your home that's joyful, that's fun, that's not chaotic. It's amazing to me how many dads I hear say, man, we got to go, we got to go out of town, we got to go to another tournament this weekend in Corsicana or wherever. We're going to be in Angleton. What? We have to. We, we have to. <laughs> tell your neighbor right now, and I'm dead serious about this. Tell them right now. No, you don't. For some of you, you just thought, wow. You don't. You don't have to. What really matters? Are you doing more of what matters most? Or are you just going with the flow? We talk to our kids and we pray for our kids about peer pressure. I hope they don't give in to peer pressure. I don't give in to peer pressure. I want you to give in to peer pressure. Parental peer pressure is just as bad, if not worse. Well, you, you have to get them on a travel team by second grade. If they're not in advanced cheer in third grade, boy, just look out. What? Are you joking me right now? Have you seen? No, anyway. But again, I'm, not, I'm telling you this to liberate you, to free you up. You're not a victim. You make choices. I make choices all the time. Our kids were not at church 24-7. We still have one. We're not quite empty nesters. we got a senior high school and a daughter who's already in college. Father, right now, just pray. But they're not at church 24-7, and I'm the pastor. But they're here more often than not, and not because I'm the pastor. Not because of what Julie and I get to do in our calling. They're here because this is what matters most. They're a part of the team. Last year, our daughter Emily went across country to go to college. And the first question she asked after deciding where to go to school was, what church will I be a part of while I'm in college? She asked that question. And she asked that question because of what God gave her through you. See, Emily learned in high school that to be a part of this team meant that she was going to be around people who loved her unconditionally, who would call her out when she needed to. 
Emily learned through you to be a part of this team meant that she was going to be around people who would say, you know what, Emily, you absolutely do not have to drink in high school. You absolutely can get through college without having sex. You absolutely can live life as God's called you and created you to live it because I'm doing it. That's her team, and that's what she went and looked for when she got to college because of who you are. And so Julie and I owe you all a debt that we'll never be able to repay. Thank you. But it was a priority in our home. And parents will say, well, I I don't want to force them. Guess what? It's what we do. This is who we are. This is what we do. You're a part of the student ministry. You're a part of the children's church on Sunday morning. You're, You're a part. This is what we do. I remember when I was in high school, first formal I ever went to. I was a sophomore in high school. Just got my driver's license. I was bad to the bone. I was going to a formal, and I remember telling my mom as the week approached, I said, you know, Mom, probably not going to be at church on Sunday morning. You know, it's a formal, so it's late night. Probably won't be home, so I'm probably, you know, probably won't be at church. And my mom, all five foot three and a half of her, wheeled around, and she pulled her glasses down her nose, and she went, really? I believe you will be at church on Sunday. I said, Mom, come on. I mean, she goes, no. She said, Mac. This is what we do. Now, my mom was a single mom with three boys by herself. She didn't yell at me. She didn't scream. She just said, no, we go to church. We're we're a part of that. It's a part of us. It's a priority. And I remember looking back at her when I was 16 years old, and I said, Mom, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for showing me the error of my ways and teaching me the importance of church. I didn't say that. I didn't. I'm sure I said something like, oh, mom, come on, don't be out late. She's like, no, you're, you're going to church. She didn't yell, she didn't scream, never got heated. She said, that's a priority. And so I knew that it was a priority. Third way to be a part of the team is to show up for team meetings to prepare for the game. Show up to team meetings to prepare for the game. This is a team meeting. This is not the game. See, a lot of people, especially in America, we, we think that, you know, being a Christian means I go to church. And that's, going to church is important. I'm, I'm talking about that. But this is preparation for the game. Team meetings are where we discover how to go out and play the game. Team meetings is where we study the strategy of our opponent. Team meetings is where we get fired up. Team meetings is where we learn and discover our playbook. Team meetings is where we get equipped and prepared to actually go play the game. And the game begins when we walk out those doors on Sunday morning. But the team meeting matters. Team meeting matters it matters because the team matters the team is the family the team is the family of faith the book of Ephesians chapter 1 says that God has put all things say all things things. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over 
all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Made full and complete in the team. Team spirit rises and falls with team unity. Team spirit is about so much more than just wearing the right jersey. Team spirit is understanding that God has decided to adopt us into the family of faith. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, I want to ask you, if you will, to not be moving or stirring around so as to not make a distraction, to not get in the way of what God wants to do in this moment. But if you're here today and you have never stepped into that fullness, that completion that Jesus offers, then we as a church want to give you that opportunity. To begin that relationship, to join that team of the family of faith, to make that the central priority of your life. So, if that's you in this moment, I want to just invite you right where you're seated to pray silently. Just talk to God. Just silently say, Jesus. I need you. I give you my life. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross and I choose to believe that you did that for me. And so right here, right now, once and for all, I choose to receive your grace. And I give you my life completely, once and for all. I pray this prayer, Jesus, in your name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to understand that's the most important moment of your life. It matters forever. And so it's an important moment to mark, to make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that it was real. And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to ask you if you will, mark this moment, just raise your hand quietly but definitively. Just raise it up high over your head. And as you hold that hand up, I want you to know how excited we are for you, for what God has in store for you. And it's imperative that you understand everything that has gone before he will use 
no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God has been preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. And it's an important moment for us as a church, as the body. And so we celebrate that with you. And we'd like, as you put your hand down, to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home.